Hello, everyone. You're listening to the Comet's Tale podcast with Caitlin. And Ty. And today we are going to talk about um, a little thing I like to call synchronicity. (laughs) Um, Synchronicities, by definition, are... I guess, maybe not by definition, but by colloquial explaining, are little instances of life that are um, kind of repeating and you kind of start to notice a repeating theme or motif in regular everyday life. Um, And Ty and I have been, I don't know, we kind of talk about this Mm. like every so often with each other of, Oh, a synchronicity happened today. You have your synchronicity sticker, right? What does your sticker say? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Where is that? I do have a synch... Yeah, that's in an old journal of mine. Yep. Mm-hmm. What's it say, though? I think it just says synchronicity. Yeah. So it's like just kind of paying attention to themes or motifs that are popping up in one's life. Um, and... We have watched a film to prepare us to talk about this called, another good S word, Serendipity. Mm. Um, it is a, I believe, a 2002 film. One, I think. Uh, one starring John Cusack and Kate Beckinsale. And um, as Ty <laughs> keeps, has said twice or thrice now, so corny. <laughs> Um, So today we're going to talk about serendipity, synchronicity, and yeah, so everywhere, all at once. Yeah, I feel like there's going to be a lot of Mm. tie back to that just because of the idea of destiny and like fate and like Mm -hmm. loving one's fate, maybe perhaps. Um, But yeah, how did you like the movie? Did you like Mm. the movie, even though it was corny? Yeah. I guess, yeah, to add to your definition also, like, another definition of synchronicity is meaningful coincidence. Mm. Like, a seemingly random event um, or circumstance um, that somehow, like, resonates or rhymes or has resonance, I just said that, uh, is connected to or kind of, mm, yeah, somehow, somehow seems to respond to something else independent of that thing. These two events or situations having no causal relation, apparently. Um, did I like the movie? Um, <laughs> I like it in the way that I like junk food. It was it was like I almost wonder if when they were making that movie, because like watching it, it's so like Y two K. It's such a Y two K rom com film. It's almost like the kind of template for all of those films. And I wonder if they, the filmmakers had a sense of that at the time. Um, also, one thing that was really funny to me is like, so to say a little bit about this plot, we'll get into it, but like the partners, the kind of um, not the one partners mm-hmm. of the two main characters, John and Sarah, were um, actually also like the exes or like um, love interests of Carrie and Mr. Big in Sex and the City. Oh. So. I don't know their names in this movie, but Aiden was, Carrie was really shitty to him in a few seasons of that show. And then the other actress um, is in Sex and the City is named Natasha, who was Mr. Biggs. Actually, he did get married to her for a little bit, and then they got a divorce, and you meet her later on. So, do you think that was intentional, then? Um. Well, I guess those, yeah, probably, yeah, because those actors had... I'm sure gained notoriety through that show, which was... And it's set in New York, mm, mostly. Yeah. Yeah, and it's kind of funny that they were cast in very similar roles, like, as the kind of... These kind of, I don't know, background partners or, like, love interests. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I I guess I did like the movie and just that I was kind of rolling my eyes throughout it. Um, I don't know. It was... I don't know. Like, it, it didn't really thrill me. It don't, I, there's not really anything that I came away with like feeling really moved by, but I think it offers a great springboard to get into some other thoughts. Um, how did you feel about it? I love this movie. <laughs> I think it's so comforting. It 
serves um, are like Ty and I have an aesthetic ideal, which is mm. single woman eating Chinese food alone in her apartment. Yeah, it's very that. Um, and it's that's also has by definition has a very Y two K vibe to that feeling, and so we have. This is just a vibe that Ty and I resonate with as far as like music, as far as like just like the feeling that mostly music gives us. Um, but it definitely has that vibe, and that's just supremely comforting to me. Um, I cry every time. <laughs> um, it it is so fucking cheesy, but it's like, it's just <sighs> okay. The the two times that I cry is like when they're crying like when so okay spoilers ahead um there's a point where so in order for so basically the plot is two people meet chance and they just things keep happening it's like wow that we're like meant to be together but like then they keep like they're like okay well but we're both dating other people right now and so one of the the motifs that happens is like, okay, well, I'm going to write my name and number in a book and you're going to like, you can find this book. And then only then when you find this book in the, in a used bookstore in New York city, can you call me and find out who I am? And then vice versa, he writes his name on the back of a $5 bill, his name and number on the back of a $5 bill. And it's like, when you, when this $5 bill returns to you, that's when Mm -hmm. it's time for us to meet. So anyway, his, the woman that, his not the one woman, he's about to marry her, and her wedding gift to him, mm-hmm. groom's gift to him, is the fucking book with Sarah's name and number in it. Is the book A Hundred Years of Solitude? I was just no. trying to remember. Love in the Time of Cholera. Oh. Um, cried. <laughs> cried. Like, literally, because what that means to me is, like, not only is it like, okay, I happenstance, like, mm, <laughs> not only did I happenstance, like, mm. happen upon this book, it was given to me, literally wrapped up mm. and handed to me right. by the universe. Mm-hmm. Well, by the, by my, by Natasha, by my, by my yeah. fiance, but therefore by the universe, literally yeah. wrapped the fuck up. Yeah. And so that that little piece just gets to me, and he's like crying, and he's like, "We've, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, we got her." Mm-hmm. Like, and he's like crying through that, and like that's a really beautiful moment. And then another really beautiful, like, but the uh, the second time I cried was when she like runs to go stop this wedding. Sarah runs to go stop this wedding because she finds out he's about to get married, and the guy is like. Well, she's like, is it over? And he goes, yeah, it's over. All right. And she starts crying. And then he goes, well, it never really even began. He called the whole thing off and she start, and she's still crying, but now she's like crying tears of joy. And she just has to go, that's terrible. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) just like to be in like that vibe of like, yeah, well, just like. Just so much happening where it's just like, this is the worst thing that I could possibly imagine turning into the best thing I could possibly imagine. Mm. That's terrible. <laughs> like, oh, like so much possibility there. Where dreams are made of, there's nothing <laughs> also, I, you can I usually, do. I only like <laughs> movies set in New York if it's Y2K oh. vibes. This movie reminded me of Elf. Like it's the same movie basically, but just no, Christmas. Christmas and, o- Christmas and autism. That's the only difference. <laughs> well, there's Christmas in this movie too. <laughs> it's Elf. It's stop. Also, oh, there's another movie too. It's not Elf. Mm. No, it's Sleepless in Seattle. There's a fucking. Have you seen ice, Sleepless in Seattle? No. Okay. But there's ice skating scenes in both. Like, it's Elf. Um, just well okay something a synchronicity that I noticed that maybe you'll share but I noticed for you as two of the places well you did move to New York but another place that you were considering for a while was San Francisco and both of these places are in this film mm -hmm. it was like oh if I'm not going to New York I guess I'm going to San Francisco yeah Yeah. that was interesting Mm -hmm. um 
Well, what's interesting like about that scene that you mentioned, like about his fiance giving him this book, is like I found that really striking because she had a role she was supposed to fill, fulfill, fulfill, which was you know this is your the smart, sensible choice for a spouse, or like it's a good on paper choice for a spouse, and even if in one way it looks like the right thing. Her whole role was to turn him towards where he actually was meant to be or or what actually was in synchronicity and resonance and alignment with who he was, which is Sarah. Um, And it just got me thinking about how there's synchronicity all around all of us, all the time, everywhere, all at once. (laughs) Um, And sometimes, like, others facilitate the synchronous unfoldment of our own experiences and sometimes we are just in the way for other people's mm-hmm. synchronous experiences like i'm just trying to think of like, like other, other examples like where i mean for so for example in like in this film like there's uh john Go- like kind of traces this like breadcrumb trail back to sarah like he finds an old receipt of hers and like finds her account like at uh, bergdorf goodman or something and finds her old roommate and kind of it follows this, follows this very tenuous path, and along the way, these people are like, "Oh my god, this guy's so annoying!" Like, um, or they're just they don't really care about the story; they have no investment in it, but they're kind of giving him information. And like, to from their perspective, his desire and his the importance of this means nothing to them. But from his perspective, like any scrap of information that someone can give him is huge. Um, so I just find like the. I don't know, the, the multiplicity of perspectives to be really interesting. There's a line also in this movie where it says something like, it seemed as though for a moment the whole universe conspired to bring us together. Mm-hmm. Like, and there's this, like a sense of inevitability. Like this can't, this, the only, this can be the only thing that can happen. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, yeah, something interesting also. Um yeah, do you have other thoughts on the movie? I have other thoughts on Synchronicity, too. I love the soundtrack when mm. I watched the. So I probably watched this for the first time when I was, I don't know, I'm guessing like seven or eight. And I remember liking it, um, but I just like didn't really remember anything about it. And then I re- like I watched it probably a year and a half ago for the second time and came away with like songs. Mm. Like the soundtrack is good yeah and like it like there's a waiting a cover of waiting in vain by bob marley that's really good in it and then i forget the other songs that i really like but yeah that's at the end um uh nick drake drake yeah yeah nick drake at the end um no but there's another one like when they're when they're first in the ice rink, like the night that they meet, mm-hmm. like that song is really good and it has like a penny whistle in it. <laughs> <laughs> and that song really struck me when I first watched it. Mm. Um, no, I just like it is a quintessential Y2K movie and it's like comforting and sweet and like uh, something also, which one of the reasons I wanted to watch this for this episode was that there is a TikTok lady called the Synchronicity Fairy, and she kind of, like, plays around with... She's like, okay, Hmm. so I'm going to give you, like, a motif, and you're going to watch for it in your own life. Mm. And her synchronicity for the week, or she's like, it's not for the week, it's, like, timeless, but, like, the one that she posted was um, the song In Your Eyes by Peter Gabriel. And she's like, she brought up the... Um, scene, I don't, it's some John Hughes movie, Hmm. but I don't remember which one necessarily, but it's where John Cusack, who is in Serendipity, Hmm. is playing in your eyes on the boombox outside of the window. Mm -hmm. And she was like, okay, so this synchronicity is like in your eyes by Peter Gabriel, but it could also involve John Cusack. And wait, he's in the movie Serendipity, isn't he? Okay, this one will be really fun. And so I was like, okay. Because we had been talking about doing an episode on synchronicity, hmm. and because I was already thinking about doing serendipity as the film to be watching, like yeah. to be watching that film for this episode, 
seeing that on TikTok mm-hmm. on my for you page, not because I follow this woman, but seeing that on my for you page plus Peter Gabriel, which the listeners don't know, but <laughs> Ty knows that like my one of my <laughs> motifs in my life is Peter Gabriel. Mm. Um, I've seen him twice live with my dad, and I just like gen- like generally love him and like pay attention to him. Mm. Um, so when that came along and it was like okay, John Cusack and also Serendipity, I was like okay, we have to watch Serendipity for this. Mm. Um, I have to follow that thread, mm-hmm. and so. Maybe to Ty's chagrin, <laughs> I made him follow that thread <laughs> with me to do this episode. It's funny. I'm thinking of like a couple of TikTok isms. Like, um, oh, the first is like, well, like people will say, "This message is for you." No hashtags. And like, if it's if it's if you're seeing this, it's for you. Like, mm-hmm. and I always stop and watch those videos. Um, but then secondly, like, there's been <laughs> I don't know this creator's name, but her whole thing is like doing like the manic pixie y2k female lead like the insufferable like um magical girl in in movies and like i feel like this movie had a lot of that yeah. flavor as well but she's also british which i think takes <laughs> that away does, that does, it, it does like you're right add like some sort of level to it that is like a little bit less and like less should be rational a little more sufferable yeah yeah you're right um well, I wanted to say, I guess, a little bit about synchronicity just as a concept also. Um, so synchronicity, I'm sure, like, in many places and throughout many periods in time, people have, like, picked up on this, right? Like, you get a fortuitous dream or, I don't know, you happen upon a beautiful rainbow or, like, a good hunt and there's, like, omens, right? Um, that kind of predict things or you sort of ask for confirmation as to if you're going the right way, like maybe physically if you're traveling the right way, if, if you're planning your life or your society in the right way. So I don't know, people have practiced or sought out or kind of listened to synchronicity through things like divination for a lot of human history. But someone who really studied this and kind of consolidated these observations um, was Carl Jung, Um and there's a lot, actually, Jung is really interesting just on this. He thought a lot about it and, like, consulted with physics and science to sort of think about it as well. He wanted to really pin down in a more empirical way synchronicity to kind of combine, you know, a more contemplative or um, imaginative approach to this phenomenon with science to see where the two connect um, and if we can sort of understand what's going on yeah, more empirically or tangibly. Um, but by way of one example, a famous example in his clinical work, or in his private practice, rather, there was a woman he was um, consulting with um, who was a very bright, sort of rational woman who really led with her intellect um, and was sort of one-sided in her intellect at the cost of sidelining her emotions, basically. And so was not someone who would have been been inclined to the perhaps kind of mystical appearance or nature um, of what synchronicity is, but uh, and yet something happened in their work together. So she presented Jung with a dream. Um, I don't exactly recall what the dream was, but basically like a scarab figured really prominently into this. And, you know, scarabs are desert bugs in Egypt. There, you know, there's many artistic decorations and images we can find in like ancient Egypt of scarabs. And so she tells Jung this dream um, and they're kind of pondering, well, what could this mean? What, what is that? What's the message of this dream? And Jung is kind of pacing around in the office and he hears a, a dent on the window and he kind of goes over to look and inspect and lo and behold, there's this kind of bejeweled scarab that has just kind of fallen out of thin air, tapped the window and fallen onto the ground of of this office, which is in Switzerland, mind you, so scarabs aren't found there. And he picks it up and he hands it to the woman. He says, this is very fortuitous, like you're on the right path and, and the universe is like sort of confirming for you that, you know, you're headed in the right direction and it's a kind of blessing for you. Um, confirmed and answered, I guess the kind of question has been answered through this sign. Um, 
And he had, Jung was someone who was really available. I think you have to be available to synchronicity also is a, a key, kind of key message. Uh, so a lot of his whole life was really filled with like these kinds of instances of like things around him just rhyming with his own experience, his own inner experiences, basically like in the outer world. There's another one. I don't exactly remember what happened, but like he was in his kitchen as a young sort of 20 something man. A young, young, a young, young. Yeah. <laughs> and he was sort of just stewing over something and um, really bothered. I can't remember what it was, but I think he was agitated. And as he's doing that, there is, he had this round wooden table in his kitchen and it just all of a sudden split straight down the middle. And this is like a hard wood that just doesn't do that. And it just breaks. And so that was kind of one early experience with this where he said, okay, like there's something mental and inner and psychic life matches with the world. And, and the two are in conversation with one another. And later in his career, he also got into this kind of extended conversation with this physicist named Wolfgang Pauli. And they thought about synchronicity together, and Polly was, you know, looking at it from, yeah, from physics, from the perspective of time and space and materiality, and um, Jung was, like, sort of, I think, thinking about how, again, the mind is a material, it's part of the material totality, basically. And so they also collaborated and had some really interesting thoughts that came out of their conversations, um, but I think synchronicity is kind of, it, it gets to this understanding that what we usually perceive as outer reality and inner life, inner reality, um, are not separated. Like, they're they're really on the same plane, even though we experience them usually as being divorced from one another. Um, hence, you know, the mind affects things and things affect the mind. Um, and we can kind of find these instances where things show up in a way that seems um that leaves us questioning well that's funny like why did that show up um i hadn't told anyone about this why did this happen well you don't have to tell anyone anyone about that like the at some level on this kind of plane of reality things are already transparent and they're already affecting things so in jung's kind of understanding and pra- like I guess I don't know synchronicity, synchronicity is not a practice but like in experiencing mm-hmm. these synchronicities is the meaning that he derived from them the f- like generally the fact like you're on the right path or what other mm-hmm. what other meanings because mm-hmm. it, okay it doesn't mean like synchronicities don't mean anything unless you give meaning to them like it could mean anything you can you can choose to follow this thread in whatever way and whatever way it means to you so for the woman with the scarab it was like he said it was a confirmation that she was on the right path is that what he always thought like Uh, yeah in his eyes i like because me personally what i feel like is it just kind of depends on the situation and what the what the symbol actually means to you yeah um I just thought of my mom with the owl feather. Um, <laughs> Tell that story. Okay, I will in a second. But, um, <laughs> but um, oh my God. I, but yeah, it's just like it's interesting to hear like that you know this psychologist and like these whatever rational people like mm. they'll like what do they think of what the meaning is of all these things? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um. Do you want so, to share that story first? But I will share that story. So my, <laughs> there was one night when I guess we were in high school, um, but my brother and I left our home um, in the mountains. In the mountains with, with snow. snow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we left home one night to go hang out with our friends, and we didn't think we were going to be gone for very long, so we didn't leave. We didn't take our phones, which is dumb. But because we were gone for so long and because our phones were both there and because um, my mom couldn't get in contact with us, um, she freaked the fuck out. Um, She called your dad, I remember, Mm -hmm. because she thought that maybe we were with you and we weren't. Mm -hmm. Um, And 
So we get home and our parents are waiting in the driveway. And this is the only time this has ever happened to me and mm-hmm. my brother. And so we go in and my mom is fucking lit. <laughs> I've never, they've never been as mad at us. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was like, you didn't take your phones. And then I called Ty's dad and you guys were with him. And I, could, I couldn't think of anyone else to call. And I called all these people. And then I saw an owl feather <laughs> on the porch. And I said, oh my God, they're dead <laughs> and i was so <laughs> in, this, in this like delusion she saw a feather and it was an owl feather that the uh, that the owl of death like came <laughs> and like swooped us oh my god swooped us into the heavens and just like that ab- sounds like literally ab- abducted us Jesus. um i think so, you like a harpy owl like a human-headed <laughs> owl ew i hate it <laughs> um yeah, so she was, like, fucking freaked out really badly by that, because she's, she also, I mean, like, not that it's a synchronicity, but it's, like, a symbolism also of just, mm. like, what the signs mean and what the, yeah. and so she well, it's, thought it's that it's the almost like it death came and got us. It's almost like that feather had fallen out of thin air. Like, right. I can well, see yeah, that, and also. I can see the feeling Yeah, it was, like, 10 p.m. Yeah. Like, I, I totally understand where, because I would have freaked the fuck out, too, like, yeah. If my kids had disappeared, didn't take their phones, and then all of a sudden a feather arrives on my porch, <laughs> I would be, I would be beside myself. Yeah. Well, my dad, I think maybe the next morning had said like, I got a weird call last night. <laughs> so he used to take sleeping pills, and then it was like a couple years later, like I was telling him about this. He was like, Oh yeah, like her mom called me, like, and I was also delusional because I was sedated by you know big pharma basically and (laughs) anyway um yeah that's a great example but to your question of do synchronicities always mean you're on the right path no i don't think so i think synchronicities are also just like densities of meaning Mm. of any kind of meaning and i was thinking like on the way up here as i was driving i was thinking of like omens actually like there's a um a famous one is like uh the titanic before it set sail there was like um the wife of some, I think, it, I don't know if it was like a first officer or just a notable passenger had a dream is like, this is going to get hit by an iceberg sink and like kill two thirds of the people on board. I don't want to go. And I think she did go because, you know, her husband was like, no, 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 it's, it's, it's the unsinkable ship. You're not going to sink, darling. <laughs> this thing is airtight. And I think she survived at least, but. You know, there's, I guess intuition is also really related to the synchronicity too. Right. Just like this sense um, that is not connected to Im- empirical, you know, senses that there is another sense that knows what's going on because there's also something going on just beyond the physical plane. Um, I wanted to read this though. I was just like looking at this as I was... Um, researching this a little bit more too. So Jung says this, Jung placed synchronicity as one of the three main conceptual elements in understanding the psyche. One, psychological causality, as understood in Freudian theory by which repressed libidinal energy is discharged across the psyche in response to principles of cause and effect. The Jung brought in this to a more generalized mental energy that is particular to the unfolding of the individual psyche. Two, psychological teleology, by which self-actualization is an element of the psyche as potential. And three, psychological synchronicity or meaningful chance by which the potential for self-actualization is neither enhanced nor negated. Um, Psychological synchronicity or meaningful chance by which the potential for self-actualization is either enhanced or negated. So it can also hold you back. But I think also, like, what's interesting is, like, uh, well, let's think about these other characters in this film, for example. Like, so the fiance of John, who gives him the, the book that gives him mm-hmm. Sarah's phone number and confirms that he should be with her, um, that's a negative synchronicity that she gave him that book, right, for her. Mm-hmm. But it seems like um, even like so called negative synch- synchronicities are kind of like warnings or are like safety messages almost to say look now you're going in the wrong direction now you're not going where you should be going your telos is here and so we're gonna you know 
somehow this kind of a seed or an instance of like bad fate gets sown to direct you elsewhere. What is telos? Telos means like end, like the kind okay. of like the highest aim of something. Mm. Um, well, it also reminds me. So one of the little projects that they concoct to see if they're meant for each other is picking the same floor in the Waldorf, Waldorf Astoria. Mm. If they end up on the same floor, then they're meant to be together right now. Right. And it, Jonathan gets waylaid by a literal child in a devil costume <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> who pushes all these fucking buttons. And then he gets like... And then a bunch of other people get in and get on and they... they Everyone's e- getting they in and getting on. <laughs> they end Except up going to... He does a lot. He has to um, wait seven no. years. <laughs> um, they do pick the same floor. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, as an audience member that, you know, you've already figured out that they're supposed to be together, but it's like shit gets mm. in the way. Little devils, literal, literal and figurative little devils fuck up your life. Sometimes that's just life. But the fact is, it almost enriched or deepened the experience of them finding each other again because they, you know, had a little more time under their belts. They had other shit happen to them. And it got fortified to the point of, you are the fucking one for me. Mm-hmm. And it kind of, to draw back to kind of like our whole idea for this podcast of like, the this podcast in part in part came of us being fucking frustrated young people living in the world and like this film also reminds me of like just the fact that like well and it also reminds me of that Roka quote the mm-hmm. um in order to have the answers to your questions, you must love, live the questions themselves mm-hmm. and lo- learn to love the questions and live through them. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to pull up that quote in its entirety? Sure. Um, but because you and I are young and because there are other people in this world that are young and we're just like, we keep hitting these dead ends or little devils that mm. tear us off our paths or, ex- mm. you know, fuck us up. It's like... yeah. We're just doing that because that is the way that it is. Mm. Like, there's gonna it nothing like life is not linear. A, B, life is short but also very fucking long. <laughs> and C. <laughs> our stories are constantly being rewritten, written yeah. and rewritten. Um, do you have that quote? This is one of my favorite quotes. I do. So he says, um, be patient towards all that is unsolved in your heart and try to love the questions themselves like locked rooms and like books that are now written in a very foreign tongue. Do not now seek the answers which you cannot be given, cannot be given you because you would not be able to live them. And the point is to live everything. Live the questions now. Perhaps you will then gradually without noticing it, live along some distant day into the future. And so they, in this film, they do that. Yeah. They ha- the question, you know, each one of, they both have the question of who am I supposed to be with? And they have to learn, they have to learn that question through living it. Yeah. They learn the answer through living the synchronicities and mm. living the, the paths that they have. My laugh was just playing back to me in my head. Like what an obnoxious fit of laughter that was. <laughs> Um, yeah. You were my little devil yeah. in that moment. Yes. I really like that. That's a really great observation that there's little seeds of chaos. And, well, one of Sarah's friends even says, like, um, this is a pipe dream. Like, you're just being a fatalist. Like, we live in a universe of ran- randomness and chaos. And, you know, it's just about making it work within that. And Sarah doesn't. She says, like, yeah, of course there is randomness and there is chaos. and But she also says, you know, we're, we are making choices. We make, we do make choices within that. But there are these inevitable kinds of currents that are just there. 
and that we're if we want to live our highest possibilities, it's our responsibility to tap into them. Those are just there, and you, you can choose to tap into them or not. Um, but what you're saying also reminds me to think of like John's arc in this movie, especially towards the end, because there's this kind of like eulogy almost where he, he says like he's he's died, like he lost his fiance and this kind of long lost love. Right. And well, sorry, I'll explain it for the listeners, but like. He think he goes to San Francisco and he sees he sees Sarah's sister hooking up with her boyfriend and he thinks through the window that it is Sarah and so he thinks it's done. Mm. And his best friend says to him, he's like he's <laughs> like, I've done the, I've done this fucking wild goose chase like just to end up here where she's like fucking some other guy through the window and she and he's like, Well, there's a reason that you dropped literally dropped your wedding mm-hmm. to do to do this so that says he i think he says i think you're lying here in order to not be standing somewhere else i.e meaning the altar mm-hmm. with um uh what's her face Natasha. not sarah not <laughs> now i can't even hallie her name's hallie <laughs> oh, yeah. um and so he take kind of takes that as like yeah maybe i'm losing out in this situation mm-hmm. um but he's in alignment of this isn't right for me, regardless. Even mm-hmm. though I'm ending up with nothing, I've quote unquote died. Right. It's still more in alignment with my truth than being married to this woman. Right. So what were you going to say about that? Well, yeah. So he gives this kind of eulogy where it says at the end, I've lost my fiance and I've lost this long lost love. I've lost love, basically. Um, and yet, like we see in that sort of scene, he, he, um, he's sort of in a state of surrender, I guess is what it is like saying, you know, this just had to be however unsavory or kind of bitter the reality. It's just what is. And it's kind of, it's fate, it's destiny. And it just had to play out this way and it couldn't really happen any other way. And so I can accept that. And he becomes kind of in contrast, like the prior, basically a whole film of him kind of um, running around and kind of being really antsy and kind of like, um, oh, I don't know, just trying to force and coerce things. He's now in the state of like, there's nothing else to do. All I can do is give up. And I feel like this says something about about uh, synchronicity too. Like to, to be synchronistically available, to go to this idea, I think there's a couple things involved. Like, and I think this real quote, real quick quote comes in really nicely here too, because I think on the one hand, synchronicity is about surrender, surrendered unconditionality. And we were talking about this a few days ago, but being in the world in a way where you are aware of what you can't control and therefore surrendered to that. It's still, every time we have an episode, it always goes back to Try being my size, Amy. There's things you can do. It's a full circle moment. This is how this started. I know. There's things you can do. But being surrendered to what you can't do or what you can't control or what you don't have agency or volition over. And being in the world in a way that's unconditional. Like being content, happy, satisfied, no matter what. And it's a question of like, okay, well, how can you become content or satisfied? or satisfied no matter what. And I think that has to do with um, contentment comes with being able to just truly choose yourself and choose wherever you are and affirm it and say yes to it. And I think that's half of the equation. It's not, and that's the part that's kind of receptive and open and um, has that orientation to it. But then also desire comes into play too. And I think synchronicity is about, as opposed to like the kind of the more egoic kind of desire that says, I want that specifically and I, I can only be, and it's conditional, I can only be happy or satisfied or feel good when I have that thing. It's a different kind of desire that I've been thinking of more as like noble desire, a desire that is more general, you know, that is more, um, 
expanded, you know, where you're desiring things like love in whatever form that might be, where you're desiring things like connection, where you're desiring and feeding and, um, yeah, tapping into and honoring desires that are just a more encompassing kind of desire. And a desire often, I think, that extends to other people, that isn't so self-centered, um, and that extends to what's around you. And that just kind of radiates from you, right? And to this is the kind of alchemy of this also, synchronicity, of, be, of becoming available to synchronicity. Um, it involves, I think, transitioning or kind of migrating from, you know, scarcity, self-centeredness, conditionality to surrender, unconditionality, and kind of a purity of desire, we could say. And so that's the kind of active component of it too. Like when you can say, I'm, I'm raising my hand to this, I'm available to this, you can come to me, right? I'm going to claim my desires. I'm going to be forthright and honest about my desires. I'm not just going to kind of, you know, sit on the sidelines and pretend that I don't have them. Um, I'm going to really stand firm in that. And in, in doing that, perhaps there can be the possibility for those things to, to recognize me and to come into this field of synchronicity. And I think that's how, that's how I like to think about it. There's a kind of field around you. There's a field in which synchronicities can happen. Yeah. It is, I mean, you're, yeah, you're not going to be seeing synchronicities if you're, if you have blinders on and are only reaching for the one specific thing that you want. That's just like, you're not going to be open to other things. And to speak a little more on manifestation, there's something that I, I've encountered it elsewhere, but my mom says it like a mantra basically is like this or something better. Mm. And so it's like, it's always giving the availability of like, yeah, I really want this specific thing, but if something else is better, better for me and better for me, <laughs> if anything else is better for me, then I can say the better <laughs> thing for me. Um, no, but just like being surrendering and being open to greater possibility because we have finite minds and we have a lot of times I think about my, I think about my own mind that I'm just like, I, the way that my brain works is so minute and so like, I guess, Mm. hyper-focused in a lot of ways of like, it doesn't allow for a lot of like, broad ideas to be happening more than just like me going through my daily life of just like being wrapped totally wrapped up in whatever my reality happens to be at the moment and so like that's helpful for me of just like sure I may have these like little blinders on day to day just as I like live my life so fastidiously and just take one step in front of the other that yeah, it's going to be a hell of a lot more beneficial for me if I am not running towards something specific mm. because a lot of times as I'm just like using my little tiny baby steps forward, I encounter greater and bigger things than I ever wanted in the first place. Totally. Yeah, well like you bring up like fixation and grasping that usually, you know, when we're like in the kind of ego mind and and space naturally we're thinking about what can I do to improve my own reality right here and right now for me with the kind of assumption we've already almost like gone to the ends of what we think that could be right I think again what this film brings up is like you know there's a bigger plan or a bigger creator or like a bigger story going on or like a kind of a a totality that's out there Mm -hmm. of which every person and everything is like a part of like telling and creating that story, but that story is just going to happen, you know, on its own. And I guess all you can do is like really resist it if you want to, like if you're really like, no, 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 no. But that's how we, you know, dysregulate ourselves in all kinds of ways and develop manias and neuroses and um, complexes. That's how that can turn out basically to kind of resisting the story that is just going to happen. The story almost like it's, 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 it's so silly to think in a way like that we could alter that in a way. Like I imagine like this kind of from the perspective or scale of like the collective or the kind of like transpersonal that must look so silly to like one little 
to see one little atom or person like resisting what's just been ordained basically. Um, yeah, but uh, there's something else I was going to say. Yeah. Oh, I forgot. But well, there was something with the Rilke quote too, but go ahead. Conversely, I can think of several instances where when I have decided to make a decision and I have decided to take a step in whatever direction, the path... Mm. Oh, okay. I just got this... Vi- like, I just... The vision in my head was, like, when Coraline goes to the the rat circus <laughs> and, like, the... I don't even know if this is, like, a real, <laughs> real thing that happens in the movie, but in my head, the carpet, like, unfurls. Mm, right. And, like... We were waiting for you. Yeah, like... Here's your fucking rat circus, right. bitch. Like, yeah, yeah. and I can think of a, f- a few things where it's just like, you know what? I'm gonna go do X, Y, Z, and it just was like, welcome to the party. Glad you came. This is the craziest shit ever. <laughs> this is the most craziest shit ever, <laughs> ever. Yeah. Um. So it's like, yes, that person resisting this greater story, but. It feels really fucking crazy when you do take that actual decision towards mm-hmm. something and it's just like, yeah, ta-da, there yeah. you go. And I think what comes also with like being in this kind of surrendered and like a uh, place of like a place of surrender and like purity and strength of desire, you're not actually even desiring the outcome at that point. It's like what is really beautiful and savory and rewarding about that is not what your, what your little ego is getting. Sure, those are kind of like tasty little treats you can get along the way, whatever they <laughs> might be. But the real like savory reward and the work of that, uh, the, the reward of that work, I think is something more like um, just the sense of like luminosity and ease and mm, just kind of self-integrity that comes with that, right? And I think that's, this is kind of the paradox in a way of like, to get what you your little ego wants, you have to sort of not turn yourself off to that desire, to that want, but just to reframe the desire, at which point that prior desire kind of falls away or becomes like secondary or tertiary, and there's a new desire that comes to town, and at the same time you get what you maybe initially wanted and more, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's kind of the, the general pattern I find. Um and so I guess that's also magic if we want to use that language too. Like that, this is a kind of magic um, because what's entailed in it is like uh, it's it's co-creation. Mm-hmm. If we want to think about like magic as a kind of co-creation, what does it mean to co-create? You have to realize the co-aspect of that, right? Mm-hmm. That you're not the kind of, you know, authoritarian master kind of creating everything you are one, you're the central voice in your own experience, but within the bigger context of other people and situations and just circumstance also. And it's about holding like a reverence and a kind of like respect for the autonomy that exists beyond yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, and like, you know, talking about rewards and talking about like the benefits of having this sort of attitude is the the feeling of what it feels like to be supported by the universe is like mm. bro like <laughs> yeah when the things fall into place like and you feel that like i don't know i guess invisible support or like that just like that feeling of like things are finally falling in your favor of just like that's a fucking sublime feeling and like just realizing like well i'll bring up another synchronicity that happened recently um which really fucking got to me Mm -hmm. um so i was watching ted lasso a couple weeks ago there was a an episode where they're in in amsterdam and amsterdam has been popping up for me everywhere and i don't really get like i don't really i haven't figured that one out yet but amsterdam everywhere let's not talk about the husband yeah what you don't want 
I didn't even think about Gracie that. Gracie will get that. Gracie, <laughs> if you're listening, it's for you. Let's talk about the husband. Beast. How Beast. How, beast. How dare, how dare you? you? Um, Robin <laughs> will get that too. But um so in Ted Lasso, they're talking like whatever. Very emotional episode. Ted ends up like figuring something out for his team that will hopefully work because they're struggling and then at the end they're all singing three little birds by bob marley um synchronicity there (laughs) um and like which is like the don't worry about a thing because every little thing's gonna be all right that's the song and so that's the end of that episode i turn the tv off i'm crying because it's ted lasso and then I go on TikTok and the first fucking video mm. is this guy, Brandon Bloom, who he does channel channeled like spiritual messages for people. And it's always one of those things where it's like, if this message is finding you, then it's for you. No, no timelines, no hashtags, whatever. Mm. And so I'm listening to it and he's like. Three Little Birds by Bob Marley is coming through. And that's what they just keep saying to me is every little thing is going to be all right. Pause it. Sobbing. (laughs) I'm just like, "Ah!" like literally within minutes of each other. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, holy fuck. Yeah. Okay. Fuck. It's, it's the, the gunch. Uh, I love our like random yeah, little. This is like, just our own like internal <laughs> esoteric like uh, fucking syllabus of shit that we comes up here. <laughs> like it's every five minutes we have to say something <laughs> completely unrelated. Um. Anyway, but anyway, back to my story. No, um, no, but I what you were saying about like, well, the universe or the state of things, like just has the best intentions for you. Mm. And I think that's the thing to recognize. Where we usually misunderstand that is sometimes there's things that are offending or unsavory to our egos again. We say, wow, poor me, this sucks, and I'm, you know, really put upon. Not to say that there's actually not actually, like, of course there is real unfair suffering um, that all of us endure in different ways and to different degrees. But I guess I'm talking about like the more personal kinds of what we would think of as misfortune and just being put upon. Those are actually signs pointing us towards like our own betterment. Mm -hmm. Those are, I guess, negative synchronicities putting us in the right way. And, you know, likewise, sort of positive synchronicities that seem to propel us. You know, those are, yeah, that is confirmation or a little boost, you know, to help us further our own path. And I think just to really sit in that brings about a sense of abundance and of of plentitude to see that my context in the people and the places and the things around me um, is infinite and has so much going for me. And there's a whole well to draw upon. And I'm Mm -hmm. not just trapped in my own little mind and body and space um, trying to swim upstream. You know, there is some of that too, but there's also if you can just come to recognize some of what's available to you and around you, you can draw on that, you know? Mm -hmm. And like, it's often funny how like simply just asking for that in whatever way can take you so far. Mm -hmm. Well, and you know, another thing is like sometimes your detriment is someone else's extreme blessing. Do Um, you have a story? Yeah. Do you have a story? Do you want to share it? Well, yeah, I'll try to, be preserve sensitive the, and preserve the, the anonymity. anonymity. Um, um <laughs> but so I applied for a job kind of recently as like kind of I just like need money and like um it didn't work out for me and I wasn't super bummed about it, but I was a little bit bummed and I was just kind of like I felt like it the interview went really well and I was just kind of like I don't know I I'm just kind of bummed about it and didn't really understand. And then I recognized who got that position. And this is someone in my life that I am like kind of on the periphery of like, we're not super close, but I do know them and, um, come to find out they, so I see them once at this 
particular place and I was like oh and it clicked in my head I was like you got that position because I asked them I said when did you start working here and they said I um like a week ago and I was Mm. like oh so you're the new person working here and in my head I was like that's who got the position and so fast forward a little bit they have a huge debt like hugely detrimental breakup with their partner um they go to jail they go to they have like a horrible mental breakdown very public mental breakdown and i am you know well wishing them on facebook like just kind of hoping that they can get the help that they need and they i eventually see them at the place at their job again about a week after this happened and I'm like wow I'm glad to see you here like how are you doing like they had been suicidal like all this stuff they had to you know go to a mental health facility and they said yeah you know if it weren't for this job I probably wouldn't be here Mm. They've been really great, like gracious to me throughout this whole struggle, and it just kind of clicked for me in that moment of like this person needed that job way mm. more than I did. Yep. In that situation, yeah. and yeah. I sat back a little bit and noticed the tapestry, and was just like, mm. "Yeah, <laughs> I get it. I understand." Mm. Like, I I just had this deeper understanding of like, yeah, they needed it more than me. Yeah. And so I think that was just like a really beautiful moment when you can like zoom out and just kind of be like, I see the ta- I see a bigger piece of the tapestry than just me in this situation. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And with that, I'm more recognizing now. It's just like other things have come along that are for me. A for you page. A for you page. <laughs> You needed to not get that opportunity, basically, yeah. like, is what had, yeah. had to happen, right. you know? And, yeah, and that's just that aspect of interdependence, that um, our own pro- positive propulsion and direction is really entwined with other people's. Um, and I feel like there's an also, like, an ethic that comes up here of, like, you know, the kind of indiscriminate extension of like compassion and like wellness and you know real goodness like sincere goodness towards others and towards our communities and towards i don't know the environment towards the world itself right all of that can only come back to us um and again that desire that that um ethic isn't extended in the interest of like how can i like connive and like get my little projects going but of like no how can we create a really beautiful foundation for the bigger community and the bigger field out here to really all collectively go forward because that momentum only happens when it's collective so i think that's a really beautiful like very forthright um understanding of that situation too where it's like yeah i can really like authentically kind of take that loss because it was an authentic, I had to take it authentically. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I, there's no reason to be bitter. Quite the opposite actually. Right. That was, it, like, thank you in a way, in some kind of interesting, strange way. Thank you for that loss, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I think just the kind of, it's also just like this aspect of like synchronicity is quote unquote illogical in a way because it's not causal in our usual sense of that word and so if we can hold a bigger perspective that things that there is a bigger continuum or tapestry out there then we can become more tolerant and like curious about the kind of domino effect that might unfold and might come back to us in some way um to our own betterment to the betterment of those around us as well Mm -hmm. yeah well i think on that note um thanks for watching serendipity even though it was fucking corny i'm glad i saw it but i'm glad i saw it um but yeah do you have any closing thoughts uh shout out to my friend matt for listening i hadn't realized you were a listener so i appreciate your your audience (laughs) and i hope this (laughs) <laughs> episode resonates with you it's, again it's just really cool to hear about people who listen to yeah. this 
this podcast. Yeah. Well, yeah. And as always, we are open. We love Mm. talking to our listeners. And if there are any synchronicities that tie back to this episode, I would fucking, and I'm sure you would too, love Mm -hmm. to hear about them. Very much. But thank you for listening to the Comets Tale podcast.